Now, you just said you put hearing aids in. I did read that you had a hearing impairment. Is that from birth? Yes, I've always had it. Um, and I first got my hearing aids when I was three. And, uh, yep, been wearing them ever since. I don't wear them at the pool, though, because they're not waterproof. They do have waterproof hearing aids. They're just not the kind of quality that's best for, like, in a academic setting or just a social setting. But, um, but yeah, I wear them every other time that's not at the pool. How bad is it? Um, I actually didn't know how bad it was until a few years ago. And I asked my audiologist, I said, like, what exactly is my uh, hearing impairment level? And mm. um, she said, well, an average uh, vocal decibel level and frequency. So in the vocal loudness and, and, uh, and pitch, I have about 12% accuracy in their test. So it's, it's pretty low, especially mm. in vocal range. But I kind of compensate for that with uh, lip reading and just kind of context um really yeah so for the pandemic it's been tough because with everybody wearing masks it's like impossible to lip read so right. without hearing aids i'm i'm struggling right how did your parents catch on to it in the beginning uh, i'm not exactly sure i'm i mean i think it was probably something like i don't know they were just they would just call my name or something i wouldn't respond right away um so something like that probably I'm still here, by the way. I just, I just flick in between these two. No views. <laughs> Sometimes I scare people and I don't tell them I'm doing that, but, um... <laughs> oh, wow. So, you know, what's the technology like these days? I'm, I imagine that it's progressed a great deal in the last kind of 20 years. How, how do you feel about the technology now? Um, yeah, no, it, it has progressed uh, tremendously. Um, it, so it'll never be perfect. It'll never totally uh, get to the level of, um, someone with totally normal hearing, but um, they, it's amazing what they can do with it. They have programs in it that can eliminate background noise. It can like target using spatial audio. I don't really use those as much because it doesn't seem as natural, um, but it's pretty convenient. Like these connect to my phone, like AirPods. And so mm. I can, like watch, you know, stuff on my phone, um, like YouTube videos and stuff on my hearing aids, like AirPods. So wow, um, yeah, the technology is pretty cool. That's wicked. Do you get any special concessions at school or you don't need those? When I was younger, I did. Um, I think I was when I was like probably 10 and younger because it took me a while to kind of adapt to, like I said, it takes, it takes some extra energy to uh, kind of process things, whether it's with lip reading or using context to kind of piece things together that I miss. And mm -hmm. so it took me a while to adapt to that. And so um, like when I was like, 10 and before it i needed some extra extra stuff but now i don't i'm just it's pretty normal cool now what are you uh what year are you in in school now i'm a senior so this is my last oh, year this is it hey so yeah. you're in you're in the meat of of you know your degree so you're you're doing a psychology degree what are some of the cool classes you're taking right now well i actually just finished one of my favorite classes um it wasn't the most technically advanced or or um complex but it was it was just fascinating i, I like to think of myself as a positive person mm -hmm. and uh this class was called positive psychology apparently there's a whole um that i just learned about there's a whole um like sector of psychology all about um the you know cognitive impacts of um positivity basically mm -hmm. um from a biological level to and emotional level and just everything between. And so, and the professor was wonderful. She was super passionate about it. And so, I mean, I just really enjoyed lectures and it was, it was pretty cool what I learned there. And um, actually I kind of applied some of it to swimming too. Like it's amazing what um, kind of like entering soon the professional world. It's kind of interesting what 
um, positivity can do in terms of relationships and in terms of um, business and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, there's so many, so many interesting things. And yeah, listen, man, actually one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you other than being, you know, one of the world's best swimmers, one of the leading swimmers in the NCA is you seem like a cool kid. Yeah, You seem like someone I'd want to have a chat with and, and you seem like a positive person too. Like I get that vibe from you that you're super positive. I appreciate that a lot. I've, I've wanted to have a conversation with you. I've watched the podcast before. Um, I was I was bummed that I was very sick the week that you came to Texas. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think we briefly just kind of passed on the day of the uh, – the orange and white meat, but um, right. you were up in the stands doing the the kind of live stream of it. But yeah, yeah no, I, I've been wanting to have a conversation with you too, so this is great. Well, good. I want you to ask me some questions. And so there was some word on the street that you had COVID at that time. There was kind of underground. You didn't have COVID though, did you? Oh, I did not have COVID. I've, okay. I have not, uh, knock on wood, I haven't had COVID this entire time. Yeah, I haven't either. It's been weird because I've traveled all over the place. Right, right. Still haven't got it. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe I, like I have. Not everything but COVID, though. I've I've had some interesting random sicknesses this year, but uh, yeah, no no COVID. Yeah, I got super sick about a month ago, and I and I discovered it was just kind of the flu, and I was kind of bummed about. it. I'm like, if I'm gonna be this sick, just give me COVID. <laughs> you know, like let me get it out of the system. Yeah, yeah. Build up some antibodies, but um. No, uh, well, you know, hopefully, hopefully we don't get it, but at some point I'm sure we will. And, uh, I mean, there's a lot of people getting it these days. So, uh, mm -hmm. so, all right. So you just finished, um, you got one semester left until you graduate or how many more? One semester. Yeah. So, and, and I might stretch it out and do, um, like a summer course or two. Cause if I, if I do a full load this coming spring, it'll be pretty challenging because we will have conference nationals world champ trials and then hopefully worlds and so that will all happen during the spring semester and so i might try to lighten my load a little bit academically so that i can balance it better um okay. because it would be it would be pretty challenging to do a full heavy load that i was planning with those four potential huge meets and many many weeks out of school so so we'll see but um yeah pretty much i'm either going to be finished this semester or i might just do like a few hours in the summer all right, Drew, let's be real for a second here. You, right. you, you put conference in the big meets. Let, let's not put conference in there just yet. You're not in the SEC just yet. School, but I mean, but yeah, it's it's definitely not like a primary focus. Uh, yeah, yeah. For, for How do you feel about Texas going to the SEC? To is the that SEC? happening? Yeah, isn't, isn't that Honestly, happening? I'm not, I'm not, a whole, I'm not super uh, – I don't know a whole lot about that. Uh, so I, I've heard whisperings. I think a lot of it has to do with uh, – you know, football and big money deals and TV and all that sort of thing and bringing more viewers. Um, and I don't really fully understand that. I'm not a huge football guy, so I don't I don't keep up with that as much. But if from the swimming perspective, if we went to the SEC, it'd be it'd be tremendous. I think it'd be pretty cool to, you know, make conference a bigger thing, because uh, I know the especially the Florida guys, I'm, I'm close with them and like Kieran and Bobby Fink and, and those guys lighted up at conference and they lighted up at, at uh, nationals a few weeks later. And I think that'd be kind of a cool thing to do. I think it'd be good for Texas to have one more meet to really go after. And so we'll see what happens, but I don't think it's happening. I don't, actually, I don't know when it's happening, but it's, obviously it's not this year. So yeah. We'll I thought, I thought it was like two or three years from now, yeah. possibly, you know, but uh, it would be interesting. They're going to have to maybe split the meet. I don't think they could do men and women together at the same time mm -hmm. still, if that's the case. Yeah, definitely have to be a split. But um, uh, yeah. When do you when do you get your qualifications for NCAA's? Like personally, when when do you feel like all right, I'm going to hit my times at this meet? 
So usually um, it's an invite, which is uh, we just had our, our mid-season invite in Minnesota. Um, and we tried something new this year for me personally, um, a very, very light rest, no shave. And um, it was challenging. It was, it was we had some big goals going into it to see what I could do um, unrested, unshaved, essentially. But um, it proved to be a lot bigger of a challenge, not just physically, but like mentally. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a very mental swimmer. And I found it was actually pretty hard to kind of get to that level of, of uh, race intensity I wanted to with knowing I wasn't fully rested and knowing I wasn't fully shaved and all that sort of stuff that um, all plays a role in the in you getting your mental headspace to where it's to where it's supposed to be. So, Talk to us about that. Like you say, you're a mental swimmer. G give some people who maybe are not as in tune with what you're talking about exactly. Mate, there's a lot of probably younger swimmers listening. What What do you mean when you say that? Well, I think I think that the mental aspect of swimming is uh, is pretty much everything. Uh, there's a lot of people that work really, really hard. There's a lot of people that are very talented. Um, but I think that what it takes to kind of get to the next level is. Um, getting to a spot where you are in a mindset to dominate when you're behind the blocks. Mm -hmm. uh, a, a good example I can give is Olympic trials uh, and, and my kind of progression from the 2016 Olympic trials, which was my first one to this Olympic trials where I qualified for the U S Olympic team. And um, it was just, when I was going into the ready room, when I was in, when I was two, in, when I was 16 years old, I was, scared i just didn't know like what to do or anything and i remember going to finals because i didn't make it and watching the guys walk out for the final and thinking how in the world are they able to not just totally crack under that pressure when they walk mm. out right. and then f five years of i guess growing and maturing and practicing on that getting the the control getting my head under control um i i felt what it felt like to have that sort of dominating mindset and getting behind the blocks at at trials this year it was like this is everything this is this is it this is everything i've worked for let's let's have some fun with with this and kind of show what we're made of here and um i think when you have that mentality of there's no going back this i'm going to give it everything i got and you're fully committed and there's no outs there's no excuses there's no nothing um i think that's when people shine i think that's when the best in the world um can do the, the most amazing things. And uh, mm. it's, and I, and I've been in that position before at our mid season invite, cause I'm fully shaped and fully tapered and I have like these huge, huge goals. And, and, uh, and this year it was, it was more challenging to get there. And uh, I think I've been experiencing a wider range too of that from like the higher highs of intensity versus the lower low is like this meet. Okay. Every year people ask me what they should get their swimmer for Christmas. And I always tell them the same thing. Get a pair of drag socks made by Aquavolo. It's the perfect stocking stuffer for any swimmer. Honestly, there's no simpler training tool to build power in the water than a pair of drag socks. Go to aquavolo.com and use the code BRETT, B-R-E-T-T, -T, at checkout and save 10%. Right. You, you mentioned goals there. Talk to me about how you go about creating your goals setting your goals when does that start for you how does it manifest throughout the season um talk to me about goal setting personally for you yeah so um i've always been very goal oriented uh but 
it's, there's been a pretty dramatic shift over the past couple of years. Uh, in high school, I used to be extremely t- like time focused. I'd have big time goals and um, that was fun. And I think it's, it's good for younger swimmers to have those time goals and to be shooting after, you know, their junior national cuts or their state cuts, whatever it might be. But I found that at a certain point, focus purely on an end goal was hard because if I was swimming a race thinking, I just want to go this time in the two free, I would just give a lot of effort and then probably swim it the totally wrong way. So I've kind of shifted to be process oriented goals. So to uh, go back to what you mentioned, when I'm focusing on goals now, like behind the block for the biggest race, do, thinking about a time or a place is not going to do me any good. Of course mm-hmm. I want to race and, and I want to shoot for the win, but like that just hoping and wishing for a, a time or a place isn't going to do anything. So my goals now are execution goals, how I want to execute a race the best way I can. Um, and that's done me very, very well uh, just to kind of, and it makes me more comfortable. It's, it's, those are totally things I can control. You can't really control the exact time. You can't control the place, but you can definitely control um, the way you execute a race and the execution is everything in my opinion. Yeah. Would you mind sharing a little bit of that with us? You know, you've obviously got some pretty high goals for your senior year uh, this year. Maybe what is the 200 free kind of the, the event that you really go after the most? Yes. Um, so, so in that aspect, what are some of the execution? What's some of the race strategy, um, you know, things that you've come up with to, to put together a race that you're going to be satisfied with at the end of the season? Well, um, so I think the first step is just like your strategy of um, where to make your moves. And so like I have a loose strategy in the two free of a, a pretty fast but long strong tempo uh the first 50 start building the 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 arms a little bit the second 50 bring the legs in pretty strong so i'm almost all out at the end of the third 50 and then the last 50 is pretty much everything i got but but still a tight build um eddie always says like nobody can do a full 50 all out unless less the actual 50 it's always got to be a build somewhere and so um so i have those those loose like strategy goals but mainly like i'm, I'm kind of fine-tuning now where i want to be thinking okay what's my angle of attack off the wall so that i'm not creating drag on my back if i'm like bent over a little bit how do i open up and kind of slice through the water better i was watching caleb dressel at olympic training camp and just watching how he came off the wall mm. so efficiently and he carried all the speed and like that's something i want to implement for a 200 um kick counts uh the angle of attack for the breakout is, is really important because any speed that you carry off a wall, if you don't have a good breakout, uh, then, you, I mean, you lose it all. And so um, those are kind of my execution goals so that I can have a really clean, efficient race so that any, so that all the effort I, pu- I do put into it is displayed in speed and not just like thrashing around, basically. That's a lot to think about in, yeah. in a minute and 30 seconds. So I would imagine you're implementing a lot of this in practice. Are you very right. mentally engaged in your practices every day? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think I, it all kind of started at my club team is where I started to learn to be very, very mentally engaged. Um, I remember I went like four years without like once I trans once I switched to my club to a new club at home, I went four years without missing a single 25 of counting strokes. Cause that's like a very simple way to get constant feedback. If I'm doing 10 strokes at 25, every 25, and then suddenly there's an 11, 
it's like, okay, what caused that? Is it fatigue? What else is there? So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm very, very engaged from the simple things like counting strokes to just feeling the feedback of the water on your back when you push off and, mm-hmm. and your angle of, of attack and everything. So, um, yeah, and you're, and you're right. It, it's not like I'm diving into a, a race and thinking all these individual little things. It's, it's kind of just like a, a general, like, all right, just swim the race, how we've been training sort of situation, right. if that, if that right. makes sense. And, yeah. uh, Cause it's not like it's a 200, a tapered 200 free at a championship meets a time to like suddenly start thinking about everything you've been working for. So, um, so yeah, you're absolutely right. How many guys are there now in the NCAA who can kind of realistically get under that 130 mark in the 200 free? I would say, so we already have, um, Kieran who has done it and right. then, currently in the NCAA and then obviously Townley Haas and Blake Pironi. Um, is Townley, is, Townley still in the NCAA? No, 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 no. Those, those oh. two are, those, those are the first oh. two to get it. Um, oh, right, right. I was, I was like, is Townley still going? No <laughs> way. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, so Kieran's the only one that's done it in the NCAA right now. Um, right. Shane Casas has been very close. I've been very close. I think my best time is 130.2 or three. Okay. Um, and, uh, and that was something that was really frustrating because it's been something I've been working for, for, for a long time. And you never know, there's so many talented kids out there that are re- they're working so hard, um, that are right in that. It takes one guy like Blake, um, Fironi was the first one to do it. It takes one guy to, to do that. And then next thing you know, 130 is becoming more every day. And now like the new standard is 129, just right. like. The American record in the 500 was 408. Did hey um, I think your sound just turned off. Fix that again. Is it good now? Yeah, I don't know what happened with your sound there. Just, okay. Um, sorry. To touch something in the 500 free, for example, like um, the record's been, it, it was 408 for like 30 years. Like so many people were going 408, 408, 408. Right. And then once Kieran went 406, the very next year a freshman went 406, and it's just cool how it takes one person to kind of reestablished a new standard mm-hmm. uh, and so to answer your question who knows how many people are capable of it now um there's some people on my team some freshmen that are doing some crazy things i don't know if you heard of luke hobson it is mm. me and he like he's just popping off right now and so if you were to go a 130 point um his, his freshman year then who knows how soon that 129 is coming after that so it's it, it's hard to, it's hard to say how many people are capable of it but i think that with that kind of new standard there's a lot coming do you look at let's say um the 200 as an end goal let's say you know do you write down 129 flat and then break it into segments of like all right you've got to be this fast the first 50 like in terms of splits you split it out yeah um so the American record, Dean Ferris, right now. I forgot to mention him, obviously, Dean. 129.1. I know he was out in a 42.8. Uh, or actually, it might have been 42.5. I don't know. It was a 40, It was a 42 mid to high. And uh, I remember watching that race and thinking, okay, like this is kind of how you do that. Um, he is a little bit more of a speed-oriented swimmer than I am because um, I have a 500 background. And so te- I'd like to think that my last 50 would be a little faster than his. But then, but yeah, I think that, I have a general idea of what I want of what I need to be able to um, go that split. And yes, it takes, it's going to take a 42 five ish going out and then a 46 five ish coming back basically. 
I mean, uh, let's be realistic. Forty-two five out. It's almost an all-out sprint now. It's it's as basic. I mean, you talked about kind of getting into a flow the first fifty and bringing in the right. leg. But like, I mean, that's a fine line between yeah. being able to do that and and almost just full-out attack. Yeah, I mean, so when I went my best time, um, and when the taper's hitting right, so that twenty point four, twenty point three on the way out isn't going to be that bad. Um, and so that's not quite the all-out but where it really where it really takes some commitment is that second 50 and from there on out because that second 50 is where people I feel like want to settle into a stroke and and like you said there's not a really a whole lot of time for that so um, if you're out 20.3 or 4 and you have to come very next 50 22 low yeah you're you're pretty much you're pretty much sprinting from there yeah you're going for it um you mentioned something there if the tape is hitting right and and that's an interesting topic too because there's there's psychology involved in that which you're studying there's yeah um there, there's a obviously physical preparation so how much of that it, where do you put the weight on that in terms of if the tape is hitting right is it just a physical thing for you is that something you can produce mentally where you're you're getting yourself into a mindset of like it doesn't really matter what's going on i'm gonna be at my best you know what i'm saying so like yeah. where, where does the mental balance and the physical capabilities come in um well of course of course we wouldn't taper if there wasn't a certain level of physical uh effect to it and so i definitely right. think that's a, that's a large part um but i don't think it's as complicated as some people think um I think if you get enough rest off of weights so that your muscles are more fresh and you're not killing yourself in the pool. And, and we have a, we have a general like five to six week time frame that we're looking at, then you're pretty much going to be okay. Um, and the rest of it, I definitely think is mental. Um, and for example, like going into Olympic trials a week out, I remember telling my coach Wyatt, like, or actually I think that was two weeks out. I said, I don't think I've ever been more prepared for a long course meet in my life. And he goes, that's good. You look good. And then a week out, uh, I think it was three days before we left to go to Omaha for trials. I got ridiculously sick. Um, I was losing weight, had a fever. There was, at one point, I like couldn't get out of bed. I dragged myself to the pool um, the day before we left to try to do my 3,000 yards that I was supposed to do that day. And I got through... 500 kick with fins and I couldn't go anymore. Cause like I was just so horribly sick. Mm. And, um, I think that if you were to view taper as a pretty physical thing, then I think mm. that meat would have been in the garbage can. Um, mm -hmm. but I kind of had to have a mental shift the next three days before my 200 free, like, okay, we got to put this behind this. There's no, I've been, you know, waiting for five years for this. I, I can't let this sickness take over. Right. And um, it, it was tough. But then like, in the end, I can't just, I, I couldn't just fold. And so I think that that mental commitment of, all right, we're here, we're doing this. We're going to give it everything we got. We can't let the sickness affect us. I think that's something that's going to help me in the future um, with taper. Like no matter what I feel, um, it's just, it is what it is uh and you just gotta show up i think it is i don't really know how to put that into words I, i'm trying well, to yeah well that. then they're not changing the day of the race because you're sick you know what i mean it's like right. the race is going off at 7 p.m on the 
17th of, you know, July, whatever it is. It's like, that's the date. It's happening, yeah. you know, and it's not yeah. like, well, Drew's sick. Why don't we just push this exactly. back a few days? You know what I mean? Like, so. Yeah. And uh, um, actually, I was, I don't know if he said this in your podcast. I, I definitely watched a podcast with uh, you and Ian Thorpe, but mm -hmm. Um, and I, I really look up to him. He's one of my favorite swimmers. He's, I've, uh, I've always been amazed watching him race, but, um, I don't know where he said it, but he said, I want to work so hard that, um, I can stand behind the blocks of a race and know that I can, even on my worst day, I can beat anybody on, on their best day, right. something like that. Yep. And I have, I think I have a, a ways to go so I can, where I can fully have that, um, that level of work behind me, uh, because we're always working harder. We're always getting better, but I really tried to embody that kind of mentality of like, this might be my worst day. This might be their best day, but I'm going to swim it the same way. I'm going to give it everything I have anyway. I'd like to introduce our newest sponsor, Swim Angelfish. Swim Angelfish is an online certification program that strengthens your teaching curriculum to serve swimmers of all abilities. Swim Angelfish will prepare you and your instructors with the skills to teach swimmers with autism, physical disabilities, anxiety, sensory and motor conditions, and more. Learn to teach skills faster and with more comfort with Swim Angelfish. Apply for an only alpha pool product scholarship and receive up to 50% off your certification. Go to swimangelfish.com today to apply. How does Drew Kibler um, quantify his talent? How do, you, how do you quantify your talent in your mind? Like how, how, does, it, how does it sit with you? It's mm, a very interesting question. Like do you mean talent as opposed to like, is it like, like the question of like talent versus hard work, that sort of thing. How do I quantify like where talent comes into play with swimming? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, you're talking about some freshmen on your team right now. There's obviously, they haven't done the years that you've put in, but there's obviously mm -hmm. talent there and they're, and they're swimming incredibly well. Right. And then there's other opposition, you know, you're, you're talking about the guys at Florida, you know, Olympic medalists. I mean, huge amount of talent, but obviously they work hard too. So it's like, how do you justify the fact of like, yes, I'm, I'm going to be the hardest worker when I stand behind the block, but you've also got to take on the talent that is the person, you know, and then yeah. how do you overcome that talent? Not just saying, well, I outwork that person, but I know he's freaky talented as well. So I've mm. got to take on that, you know? Yeah. So that's an interesting question. I would say I'd be lying. I would like to think, I think a lot of people like to downplay talent. Um, because it's, it's, I think it's more honorable to think that talent plays no role and it's all about just how much you want it, how hard you work. Right. I'd be lying if I, if I said that. And I think that talent, of course, plays a role. And I, and I, I do think um, that I have a good amount of talent, um, like a natural feel for the water. And, but like you said, and I think that a lot of people would agree with this, pretty much everyone at the level of, international competition that we had has a lot of natural feel for the water a lot of natural talent and yeah. um and and yeah and a, and a lot of people work hard and so i think in the past like two years i think the thing that has separated me because i know i'm not the most talented and i know that every day i'm trying to be the hardest worker 
but there's so many people working very, very hard too, like, like you said. And, and uh, so I think the past two years, as I've kind of mentioned is the thing I want to set me apart is developing a mentality of this, they can, they can't be broken, I guess. And, and it's, and that's a hard, that's a hard thing. That's a, that's a tall order to, to set, because that's been my biggest goal. Um, I, usually when I have a goal meeting, uh, with my coaches, I'm like, I just want this like unbreakable mentality. And I don't think that's something I'll ever fully achieve, but I think in the pursuit of it, I can get to somewhere that I can be proud of, um, from a physical standpoint and what do I accomplish in the pool to the mental standpoint of where I, how I feel and, um, my headspace when I do accomplish those things. Yeah. Well, I mean, a massive leap forward is being really sick three days before making the Olympic team. That's the, in your mind. Now you can bank on that to say, that's always going to be there to say, I overcame that. I can do anything under those. If I can do that under those circumstances, mm -hmm. then when I'm healthy and, and feeling great, it's limitless almost, you know, like yeah. you can't put a limit on how great you could be. Yeah. Um, it's, it's funny you say that though, because my coaches and I have jokes that maybe I have to be sick to, uh, to do well, because in a way, I think it was almost a blessing to, uh, to have that sickness because if I felt like everything was perfect, I might not have had that level of like a do or die mentality. Like that whole week, there was nothing going through my head besides survive and fight and survive, fight and survive. And I, and I think that as much as I was physically hindered um, by the sickness, um, the mental preparation I put into the months prior to that race got to fully be put on display, at least to myself. I got to fully test the strength of that preparation um, by having the sickness. And it, it made me kind of go to a place that I wouldn't have expected. Um, and so I guess you're right. I, I think that there needs to be a, away or like a trigger so i can get to that place even when i am healthy but um but yeah i know it's just funny because a few uh weeks ago my coach is saying maybe, maybe you should just get sick before every big meet because uh <laughs> have you experienced that in your life prior to that experience like growing up was there was there any was there hardships for you at all did you have a comfortable um childhood like wh how were you able to draw on that and pull the best out of yourself I mean, I had a, I had a, a comfortable childhood, um, a, a really amazing family and uh, a lot of love. Um, but I do think there's just some sort of deep drive. And, I, and, and, I'm, and I'm sure that if we were to dissect my life, there's, uh, there's ways to find the source of it. Right. Um, because I think that every, like the people, the people that I'm chasing, Mm -hmm. they have some sort of some sort of uh reserve that they can draw from and and uh i i think something that taught me really early on what it how, like how to be gritty like that and how to mm -hmm. have that like that fight was um a coach that i had when i was 12 and um he's since passed away unfortunately but he had such an impact on me because he even as like i i think back and I'm like, man, I was only 12. That was kind of crazy that like I did all those things. But um, I remember uh, one time I was ridiculously sick and he was an ex-Navy SEAL, super badass guy. Like he was <laughs> so tough. He was so tough. And 
I feel like he he probably was like, man, you're sick. Like I I've gone through through hell and back with like a bullet in my leg. Who knows? Who knows? What <laughs> Who knows? But he was tough. And I remember I came in sick one, or I I called him to tell him I was sick. And he goes like, if you're sick at age group state, are you gonna just stop? And uh, I was like, I guess not. And like there were just a lot of things that we did where we were just fighting to survive mm-hmm. our practice. Like literally at times, I remember like hopping into a diving well with a 20, a 25 pound dumbbell and just trying to kick and stay up for as long as I could. And like, there was just a lot of stuff that, that we did that in hindsight, I remember probably thinking like, man, this isn't the best thing for swimming, but I guess it made us <laughs> tough. Um, so yeah. I, I, well, that's what I was trying to dig into. Cause there's, there's obviously something in your background that has uh, this, there's some grit in there. And, I, and it's, I'm glad you kind of be able to reflect on that. And um, you know, I'm sure he put you through, uh, some kind of mental and physical hell that you've been able to draw on now, you know, there's definitely, like, like I said, you, you seem to be a really nice guy, but there's, there's a, there's a competitor in there as well. There's someone that, that has no quit in them too, you know? I appreciate that. Yeah. And, and, and that's something I've been exploring uh, recently right. because right. a lot of the people around me, I see this really, really tough competitor and um, two people to stand out, specifically are Kieran Smith and uh, you can just see it in his, in his, in his eyes, like when he's getting ready to race and, and also Carson um, Foster. And uh, I've been kind of searching cause I, I know I'm like, I'm a, I'm a very competitive person, but I think it's interesting when it comes out and when it doesn't. And in some ways it, it like is almost suppressed in swimming. And I, and I've been trying to explore like where exactly or, or why exactly that is um, because in things that seemingly are pointless and with no real weight, I can be so competitive. It'll like, like I recently was playing foosball with my sister and it ended the night. Cause it would just, it just, we got so competitive. <laughs> it was just, it was a disaster. I was like, where is that? Like in, uh, in the, in swimming sometimes, but, um, and I, and I think it's always there, but it's just interesting how like that competitor, that inner drive, that, that no quit, shows up sometimes it recedes maybe even maybe it recedes sometimes out of like self-preservation um because of course there's there's stories of people that have been like so hardcore and so driven for so long that they're just broken by it um but i want to i want to continue to pursue that that knowledge of where it's coming from and why it shows up when it does and why it doesn't when it doesn't because i think that if you were able to fully harness that and gain control of it it could be a really, really lethal tool where, right. you could, where you could take a step back and release it when you need to, but then fully grab onto that bull and ride it out no mm-hmm. matter what. Right. So. No, listen, man, I'm the same. I studied psychology too in, in college. So I've, I've had very similar kind of uh, thoughts and progressions that you're having right now in terms of exploration of, of these sorts of things. And, you know, I, I always would would wonder to myself and maybe you can pose this question to you is like what what truly gets under your skin like what what could somebody do or some sort of event in your life that could draw kind of like this animal out of you where it's where you could do anything in in just one particular moment it's not going to last for a long period of time but if like if somebody or something could just trigger you what would be that trigger you think I, I really have no idea. I, um, 
And actually, that's not necessarily true. I, I'm sure there's some idea if I were to really ponder it. But it, that is an interesting question. It's one I've thought of before because I don't know if you've seen um, The Last Dance, the documentary yeah. about Michael Jordan. But sure. one thing I thought was fascinating was when he knew he didn't have like enough of that like kind of rage or that like fierce competitor in him to get through one of the finals games, he, he made up a story. I forget, this is, this is, uh, I don't really remember the details, but I know he made up a story about one of the players he was playing against. Right. He said some insulting thing or whatever, and he got so mad about something that he put in his own head mm -hmm. and he knew that it was in his own head, but he like used that to like kind of harness that, um, that fight. And he, cause he knew that whatever he was thinking was going to get under his skin. So maybe I will start more deeply reflecting on that. Um, because that, I don't know. I, I think that there, it's pretty interesting how no matter what, like you, you'd like to think that there's a way to, you know, do your best when, um, when you just really want something and you're like just so overjoyed to have it once you get it and you're just chasing that happiness. But I don't really think that's the best way to <laughs> achieve your full potential. Um, and I think that I learned a lot from Chase Kalish at the Olympics about that, about kind of just like having that like fighter mentality um and how like get in practice when the like the heat starts flying like and so i was like i've started trying to like just get a little bit of trash talking when i press sometimes too um just to see where that goes and it's funny because it, it really works the the dynamic shifts so quick and uh i mean at texas we're all just like such good friends it doesn't happen very often um, but as soon as it starts going, like the dynamic shifts and mm -hmm. there's a very distinct difference between when everybody's like just encouraging each other and being very cheerful versus when people are starting to like fight for their pride, fight for their dignity, fight for like to make a statement if somebody said something that pissed them off or something like that. So. <laughs> Event, heat, lane, name of swimmer, times and places. It's called Swim Nerd Live, and it allows the data and times from your actual scoreboard to be broadcast and viewed in real time on any smart TV, phone, or other device. There are so many things you can do with this software. A very simple and easy to use necessity for any team or facility that is live streaming their meets results. One click on any device and they're watching your swim meet live in real time. Go to swimpractice.com to learn more. How would you rate this Texas team? Uh, I mean, you've been part of it now for a number of years and, and maybe you might even know a little bit of the history of Texas within the last 10, 15 years in terms of maybe ranking this team for you particularly. Where where does it sit for you right now? I think that's a really hard question because every single team is so different. Um every year like my freshman year the experience was so special to me because i had these incredible leaders that i looked up to um in my senior class and it was just like a dream to be there i'd always wanted to be at the university of texas and then here we are four years down the line and i'm that senior and i'm that leader and so it, it, it's very very different um but if you were to rank it in terms of something like you know pure statistics of swimming mm -hmm. um I would, I think I, this might be a bold statement, but it's definitely one of the best ever. And I think that um, in, ter in terms of potential, right? And 
Um, this first season, there's been a lot of people in a lot of different places. Um, myself being one, like I explained, without tapering, without shaving, um, and then other people doing their full taper. But there's just a lot of potential for this team. And it'll be really exciting to kind of, over the next four months, go through our deep winter training work period and then kind of come out and start really meshing and well and like gelling together and getting all on the same page. Um, so, it, I mean, but already this team has th thrown down crazy records. Um, some fastest, we've had our fastest in-season relays ever. And just, it's been really, really good. So in terms of just pure swimming, it's one of the best ever, I would say. Nice. We, we all know that um, there's competition and then there's, there's uh, upsets and there's, uh, you know, there's a time probably at the NCAAs where I would imagine... I mean, just, just from the beginning, it's going to be, all right, this, this is kind of six sessions here, right? You look at it as six sessions, you know, the first right. session, the second session on, on day one. Actually, it's more now. Don't, don't you swim the, the – We swim Wednesday night. You swim Wednesday night. So now it's kind of seven sessions because mm -hmm. they put that 800 free on that, on that first night. So, look, it's been you and Cal for, you know, the past 10 years basically, back to back, you know, back and forward. I would imagine I said this to your team publicly and we've got it on record where I kind of gave a little speech to the team when I came down there and said, Cal's sick of losing to you guys. So I would imagine that everything they're doing now in practice is geared towards being at their best and being at their competitive best to take on Texas in March. So let's just say, you know, the first three sessions – are super tight, you know, what do you do, uh, you know, in terms of trying to get that separation to, to create that, you know, that team title and to, to create that consistency is like, you know, if your backs against the wall, let's say, what, what does Drew do to, you know, as now being one of the senior leaders, how do you respond? Well, I can tell you from experience, um, based on last year, we were, we had a, we won the Ander free relay the first night, which was great. But then our second and third, I guess, sessions were not very good. Um, I personally myself had some rough swims. We had some low placing relays. Um, Cal beat us in a number of different ways um, in B finals and A finals. It was just it was just a really bad session. And uh, any other team, I think. Uh, even even Texas teams in years past, because I think this happened with us my freshman year when we lost to Cal. When it kind of like been pretty dejected and thrown in the towel a little bit. But I remember right. we were up in the stands, we were all laughing and cracking jokes, like, oh, we're just saving up for tomorrow. And it was so interesting to me that like the the dynamic was so light and and like we didn't let it bog us down. But then at the end, and this was during a diving break. Then at the end of a session, we won a relay and we're like, all right, it's game on. And then the next morning we put four up in the A final of the 400 IM. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's kind of something that we can use to our advantage that we always have is just like, you know, that the group of friends we are, that we, we lean on each other. We don't let each other get down or, you know, start overthinking or start 
giving up. Um, just all, always are having fun cracking the jokes. And then when it's time to go in the prelim, we're like, all right, I guess we're just sending every single race now from the beginning. No holding back anything. We can we can try to survive our best as we can in finals. But right now it's prelims and we're just going to send it. And so um, I think I would love to have that same sort of mentality this coming year because it was a fun, it was a really fun meet. I really enjoyed it. Like my freshman year was miserable. It was so hard because we had this overwhelming pressure of, maintaining a streak we were chasing the fifth title in a row right and so the freshmen had been really hyped up as being the best freshman class ever um and so there was a lot of pressure there there's a lot of pressure for everybody else to maintain the streak and it was just like it wasn't fun it wasn't fun to be you know running from something mm -hmm. running from that fear of losing and that's exactly what ended up catching us um and i think last year it was just it was just so enjoyable that we kept the energy up so high the whole meet because it was some good positive energy. And then when, when it was time to race, you know, the Texas fight and all of us came out. And, and I remember like on the last day, it was getting ready for session seven. I was like, I feel like it's day one. I'm fresh. I'm good. <laughs> and, and most meets, like if it was invite or conference where you don't sort of have that mentality because you're, you're hurting, you're like, Oh my God, I don't even know how I can do another stroke, but we felt fresh on that last day and it was fun. Um, and I think that's the most important thing is to uh, just, this has been, I feel like this has been the theme of the whole, the whole conversation, but just keep your head right. And, yeah. and stick out the feelers and really make sure you're getting good feedback on what the team needs to get their head in the right position because we can't control you know, how we're feeling physically, whatever might happen, like as long as we can bounce off of each other, what we need for our mental, then we'll be good. So who do you think the is the most mentally tough athlete on your team other than you right now? Well there's a there's mentally tough in a lot of different ways. Um there's people that are mentally tough in terms of, you know, how hard they work. Mm -hmm. Like the Foster brothers, mm. they are so mentally tough. In they they fight so hard in every single thing they do. And, and, I, and I feel like I'm, I'm not giving away enough credit because that's true for so many people, but that's just, that's someone that sticks out to me. I get, right. I get to, I get to battle them one-on-one -on -one every single day. Um, and so, and even just like this morning, last night, Jake Foster and I were just you know, going at it and we just like, we're like, all right, let's see how long we keep this thing going. Let's see how long we can go before we just totally obliterate ourselves. Um, another person that has some, interesting mental toughness in a different way is is luke hobson um that man is totally just unfazed by everything like he went a 131 two and is 200 free on a relay and like carson's like dude you just went a 131 two he goes okay yeah and we're like okay <laughs> and then like before the 500 before the 500 we're like let's go let's go and then he just kind of gave it like a stern nod and that was all went a 409 as a as an 18 year old mm. he got out and he just kind of gave this face like like just <laughs> he's so even keeled so level-headed that that's the kind of dude that will thrive under the pressure of ncaa so um there's a lot of different mental toughness in a lot of different ways but um that's one i really respect is uh someone who can just stay really calm under the pressure and do what they do no matter what um and uh recently luke hobson has really impressed me with that 
Well, keep him there, man. You know, obviously, as a, as a freshman, not not too many people know you, not too many people talking about you. But all of a sudden, you you post some times like that, you're going to be the talk of the town. And then all of a sudden, you start reading articles about yourself right. and maybe comments about yourself. And so, you know, keep him away from that stuff and just keep him where he's at because that's that's going to be the best to get the, the best performance out of him. Now, in terms of uh, Carson Foster, he's over at the World Short Course now, right? There's That's not it. a lot of people talking about him in terms of maybe getting on the podium because maybe he hasn't done some short course meters for him before. Is is he fully ready for this meet? Is he shaved, ready to go? You know, how do you see him performing here? Um, I will just say that I have all the belief in him. I think he's very ready. Um, he's been doing some crazy stuff this season in, in practice and in, and in training and everything. And, and, and yeah, he's ready. He's going to be shaving for it. And um, knowing him, I don't think that his lack of short course meters experience is going to affect anything. Uh, he's a very adaptable swimmer and he is very in tune with his swimming. So I think that he'll just, he'll get in for his, his first short course meters workout and, He'll he'll figure it out quick and, and be ready to go. And I know he has big goals, and uh, I know that everybody here has some has some big not expectations, but everybody sees him doing some big things. And so I'm I'm excited to see it. But I uh, I know he's confident. I know I'm very confident in, in in him as well. The coaches are confident, so it's going to be exciting for sure. Awesome! Can't wait to see that man. Uh, I know that there's a, a lot of people talking about people that have posted times short course meters before they don't really see Carson coming he, he's coming man I've, I've seen this kid work too and oh yeah um yeah he, he's legit but uh all right a couple easy questions then favorite sport other than swimming um i'd say in terms of like pure sport track and field i love those events it's, it's, it's pretty similar to swimming in terms of like it's racing and everything but recently f1 um, about a year ago, I got I started to get really into it. Actually, not even a year ago, like six months ago, maybe. Um, started to get really into it, and this season has been crazy season. So, yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm, Max, I'm, I'm, Max Verstappen at the end there, on the final lap. Oh man, pretty Madness. controversial, but um, yeah. but yeah. So that's been my that's been my new thing. It's it's fun because I'm not a, I'm not huge into a lot of sports, and so to have one I'm like looking forward to every weekend has been cool. So yeah. Did you play other sports growing up? Nope. No, I uh, I was kind of always just like in and around the water. I, I did like water sports, like on a lake a lot. Like I did a lot of skiing and stuff, um, but I only really ever was drawn to swimming. Um, I took swim lessons when I was like five or six. And then when I would go to the neighborhood pool just for fun, like I would swim laps instead of just playing around like with other kids. And so people, people thought like that I was being forced to do it. But my parents were like, I don't know. He doesn't even go to a club. He just likes swimming laps. And that's how I got into swimming in the first place. Very cool. If you were to um, do track and field, what, what do you think your best event would be? Uh, probably, hmm, probably like eight. Lost your sound again. Something happened with your sound. I don't know why that keeps – there we go. 800 or 1500 I think would be my best events. Because actually oh, yeah. in terms of like – the times and those are actually pretty sim similar to 200 400 in swimming so i, I yeah I, it's weird i i uh I, I obviously sprint in the pool but i used to run the 800 and the 1500 oh, really? never, yeah in track i don't know why i couldn't sprint i, I was i was kind of like the 800 guy but mm. man i've never experienced pain like the end of an 800 oh my god <laughs> that thing's brutal destro swim towers gain strength in the water with a tower of power save $150 
for a double swim tower by using code BRETT, B-R-E-T-T, at checkout. Destromachines.com. Uh, all right, what about favorite food in Austin? Good food there. What, what's your favorite? Uh, this is the land of amazing tacos. Um, so many different great taco places here. To name it, like there's this breakfast taco place called Taco Joint that the team goes to probably definitely every Saturday and multiple times a week, actually. And that's like our team hangout spot, Taco Deli, Torchy's Tacos, so many different good taco places. But yeah, that's my favorite Austin food. What's the one that Eddie sent me to for breakfast? Cisco's? Yeah, Cisco's, man. Wait, did you tell you the story about Cisco's? Uh, maybe. Well, what is it? Well, that's where – actually, I, Wyatt might have told you. That's the um, – when Eddie first came here in, um, to interview for the head coaching job or, mm. or take the job, that's where the um, athletic director at the time took him to breakfast when he picked right. him up from the airport was Cisco's. Right, yeah. Classic breakfast in his heart. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. That's that place is awesome. All right. Uh, great music there too. What's your favorite type of music? My favorite band is Twenty One Pilots. Um, they're an alternative band, kind of a little mix of everything. But um, I also like EDM to kind of get me hyped up. I've been listening to a lot of folk music lately, actually, like just oh. kind of calming folk music. Oh, oh so like Lydia Jacoby. Isn't Lydia she in like? A, isn't she like in a in a folk band? Is she? Yeah, check it out. It's on the internet. <laughs> All right, I'll go. Look, I'll I'll look at that right now. That's that's crazy. I didn't yeah, know. like she's. I think she's the lead singer of like a folk band. Well, you didn't know this? No, I didn't know that. But that's just your teammate. Fun. Yeah, future teammate. That's exciting. Yeah, crazy. Uh, now I did get a. I got the inside scoop from um, John Shebert. He said you walked a marathon in Crocs. What's that all about? Yeah, I uh, I did walk marathon in Crocs over over quarantine. Um, I went to visit my friend Jake Sanum uh, at his place in South Carolina just to hang out, and um, two of our other teammates. That's so funny. John said that. Uh, two of our other teammates had walked a marathon just for fun, and uh, one of the kids ended up in a hospital because his feet hurt so bad for so long. He thought there was something like really wrong, but I walked it in a pair of Crocs, white Crocs, and uh, my feet were totally fine. I think those are the <laughs> – I, I wear Crocs to the weight room. They're like the ultimate shoe. Oh, so Crocs your thing, eh? Yeah, mm. Crocs. Uh, so you got a couple of years to the Olympics. Do you see yourself staying at Texas to be a pro swimmer till Paris? Yes, I do. I do. But also at the same time, I think that it's cool – as a pro swimmer, um, I think it's cool that uh, the, the kind of freedom that you have. Um, like I know Townley, for example, would occasionally go to Florida, go like a little two week training trip with Caleb because those guys are tight. And um, I would love to do something similar. I'd love to go to Florida and, you know, work out with Kieran because it was fun doing that at a training camp. Um, and, and who knows? I'd love to you know travel around and here and there. But, yeah, I definitely see myself staying in Texas. I, I, I couldn't see myself with any other group of guys and any other coach. So. Cool. Awesome. Well, it is a shift, you know, you're going from college to pro, you, you yeah. do kind of feel a little bit on the outsides for a while. You're going to, you're going to have a little bit of a weird feeling for a little bit. You'll have to find your own identity within that group because you want them now to have their own identity and you want to separate yourself from that. So there's always that little feeling out period where it kind of feels weird. You know, you're, you're the yeah. center of attention right now. You're the guy, you know, and then all of a sudden you're done and you're on the outside. So 
it is a bit of a challenge, but maybe yeah. picking up and going to some different groups for little periods of time will, will help with that as well, for sure. But um, yeah. uh, what about, you I mean, you say you watch the podcast a lot and uh, what, what kind of questions do you have for me? Give me a couple. Hmm. What is something that you learned from an athlete or from a swimmer that like hits you in a way you're like, wow, like what would have happened if I knew that when I swam? Like what was like a really profound piece of knowledge that you gained from someone? I think, I think that's a really good question. And um, I don't think it's been kind of one particular person. It's almost been, talking to a group of people with similar mindsets and um but uh, but in terms of wow i wish i knew that um as an athlete i wish i had more confidence in myself i wish i uh didn't set the type of limits that i set on myself you know i, I was kind of like you for a long period of time like i wanted to break 22 seconds you know my goal was to go under 22 i had this like time you know, just sitting there. And I, and it was kind of, I was limiting myself and, um, and I, and I just never broke through. I went 2207 in the end. I never got under that 22 barrier because I always just set it there as 2200 is what I want to get under. And I kind of just hit right on the mark instead of thinking almost like five years ahead of myself, 10 years ahead of like, well, realistically people are going to be going 21 lows in 10 years. So why don't I, why don't I look that far ahead and then 22-0 will be a breeze, you know, like it's, it's, you just kind of walk past it. And, and I learned that as a, as a pro athlete too, you know, I always wanted to make the Olympic team. And, um, and when I made my first Olympic team, it was kind of like, oh, you know, my, my goal was to make the Olympic team. And then the next time I made it was my goal was to make the final. And then looking back, I reached those two things. The first time I, I made the Olympic team, second time I made the final, and now I'm talking to athletes and I'm thinking to myself, why didn't I just want to just be the best? Why didn't I just shoot to win? And maybe, uh, maybe it would have ended up that way. You know, who, who knows? But, uh, and, and I think too, and, and it's why I asked you this whole question of um, talent, you know, I raced guys in my mind that were more talented than me. And I gave them a lot of credit for that, you know, instead of just, taking it at face value and saying it's man against man, no matter what, you know, you can't, you can't quantify how much talent somebody has. I wish I just had have stood up behind the blocks and had more belief in myself, um, less limitations on myself and, um, and kind of just enjoyed the experience more. You know, I, I talked to a guy like um, Brent Hayden, Brent Hayden came back, at the age of, I think, 36, you know, after having, I think, seven, seven or eight years off. And one of the things that he said that was very profound, which I think you can utilize in your own season this season, is him just being grateful, him just being thankful for the opportunity, rather than putting the pressure on himself, like, I have to do this and this has to happen. And that, he was just thankful that he was there and healthy and competitive and it kind of just opens up your mind then to being the best athlete you can be because you're you're grateful for the experience. You're grateful for your teammates. I mean, you're you're having one of the last seasons in the history of one of the most legendary coaches in the world. You know, like you should just be so grateful for that experience. You know, who knows how much longer Eddie's going to go? It might be 
might be two years, it might be three years, it might be five, but it's it's not going to be forever. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you're part of this, and that's why, why I wanted to record it. You're part of this kind of like last of, and he's been at this for generations of people. We're talking about, he's coaching, he's coaching kids now that uh, are grandchildren of people that he used to coach, you know, and you're a part of this. And so it's like, why don't you just look at it as like, I've got one of the best teams in the country. I've got one of the most legendary coaches of all time, if not the, like, how good is my life? You know, like, I would love to be you right now, man. You know, you're healthy, you're fit, you're fast. You're on one of the best teams in the country. You're one of the best coaches. in the Like, who wouldn't want to be you, man? You know, and I think sometimes we don't look at it like that. It's like, man, there are so many people who would want to be in my shoes, you know? Like, I'm 46 years old. I'm never going to compete again. I'd love to be you right now, man, and be like fighting for a title. Like I would just be, I'll just have the biggest smile on my face. So that's kind of the lessons that I've learned, man, is just be just so appreciative. And, and you know, the, the outcomes are the outcomes. They're going to, they're gonna, they'll take care of themselves, you know, but if you allow yourself to be the best version of yourself on that particular day with no pressure, no expectations. And, and it's kind of what you did when you were sick. It was like, all right, what's the worst that can happen here? You know, like, let's go. If you can just have that mentality all the time, I guarantee you'll get closer to maximizing your true potential every time you compete because you're allowing yourself to do that, you know? So it's a great question. And that's kind of like my roundabout answer of just um, being appreciative, man. You know, that's a phenomenal answer. Thank you. I, that was, I really, really appreciate that. I think it's interesting because of what you said about like, you'll get close to your true potential. Um, there's a quote or something that's like, you know, your greatest fear isn't that you're incapable. It's that you're actually capable beyond your, your wildest dreams. And, right. and I think that sometimes you get lost in the lack of appreciation of like, mm -hmm. Oh, this is horrible. Like there's so much pressure. I'm in this Olympic final. This is yeah. terrible. Or like, yeah. like yeah. And when in reality, you are on the cusp of you, like there are so many people on the cusp of greatness that are afraid of what it might feel like to go for it and, and achieve it. And, and, and I think that that is something that can be left behind and let go of with that mentality you just shared of that appreciation of the results are going to happen, but let's just enjoy each moment. I, I, that's, that's incredible. So thank you. Yeah, man. I love the UFC and there was a great event on the weekend where, um, they call, they're calling it one of the greatest upsets of all time. But if you look at the language and the mindset of this woman going in, uh, there's, a, there's a girl by the name of Juliana Pena, and uh, and she fought one of the greatest um, athletes of all time. Go back, look at her Instagram, and, and get on some of the, you know, research some of the interviews she gave in the lead up to this fight where she. Um, where she won, and, and, and like I said, it was one of the greatest upsets of all time in other people's minds, but in her mind, she did not put limitations on herself. And she went out there and did exactly what she intended to do, and she knew that at some point, it was going to be a situation where her back was against the wall. And, and she knew all these things, but she knew that if she allowed herself to just be the best she could be on that day, she was going to... Um, she was going to prevail, man. And, uh, it was one of the best fights I've ever seen. And I'm not, I'm not into fighting for fighting. I mean, I'm into fighting for the, the mental aspect of it. I'm into fighting for the technical aspect of it. 
Um, I love the pre stuff. I love the post stuff, the analysis of like, all right, what are they saying before the fight? What are they saying after the fight? What are they doing when, when two people are head to head and everything's equal and they're both punching each other in the face, somebody's making a decision at that point of like, I'm either going to step forward or I'm going to step backwards here, you know? And, um, that fight in particular, if you go back and, and listen to the language, man, it's just, you learn so much from that. So I, I guarantee, uh, I uh, recommend you, you do that one. What's um, the name of the, of the woman again? I believe her name is Juliana Pena. Let me have a look. Juliana. Yes. Okay. Here she is here. I'm going to, I'm going to show it for everybody. Right. So this, this, this girl here had one of the most remarkable fights in the world and listen to the stuff she was saying before the fight watch the fight listen to the post fight interviews i guarantee as a as, a, as an athlete you're going to learn so much from this it's going to help you a, a tremendous amount and she's a woman man like you know it's great like she's a, she's a woman in this in this fighting world and man i learned so much from this woman just watching this so again here it is Juliana Pena, get on that. Check it out. Super good stuff. But um, listen, this has been awesome, man. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I've really, enjoyed, I've enjoyed this conversation. It's great. I have as well. Thank you so much. It's been it's been great. Um, yeah, be on here. Absolutely, man. We'll we'll get you back um, some other time. We'll just we'll stay in touch. But good luck this season, man. You got a great team. You got a great opportunity. Use it all, man. And uh, and I'll be I'll be rooting for you. Okay. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Drew. Take care. Looking to host your first swim meet or replacing an old timing system? Run a swim meet with ease from your laptop using Superior Swim Timing. You can use Superior Swim Timing with your existing equipment, or they can provide you with a complete timing solution, including deck harnesses, buttons, and starter. SST is fully compatible with HiTech and Team Unify, as well as Colorado, Dactronics, and Amiga touchpads. Go to superiorswimtiming.com to learn more and be sure to tell them I sent you.